Good evening. I want to thank all of you for the opportunity to speak to you this evening. So, I just want us to ask ourselves a couple of questions. First, are we hungering for God? Are we seeking God? Are we trying to understand Him and His ways? Now, hungering in our body is to have a strong desire or need for food, to have the discomfort, weakness, or pain caused by a prolonged lack of food. Now, this is not like when it comes 3 p.m. and maybe I miss lunch and I go, oh, I'm starving. So I'm not starving. We know that. And uh, Kim knows I'm not starving. She knows I'm not wasting away. I've done nothing but gain weight since we've been together. So that's not happening. But we're talking about real, real hunger with real pain and discomfort. We're talking about being hungry like you haven't eaten for days. You don't know where your next meal is coming from or when you'll get it. And then we have another question. Are we thirsting for the Lord? Are we craving spiritual things? Are we chasing after Jesus to be like him? Thirsting in the body is to have or feel or need to drink, to have a strong craving, to yearn. Yearn is to have an intense desire or longing. So again, this is a need to drink, and we can think of it as needing water, like you've been in the desert for days and you think you might die without it. To be desperate, wishing you could just find a mud puddle or a handful of water to survive. These are questions we need to ask ourselves. If we look at this verse from the Sermon on the Mount, this is one of the verses of the Beatitudes. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. That's Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. We'll be in Matthew 5 quite a bit, so I'll just warn you now. But blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. When Jesus spoke this to the crowd, he knew there were people in the crowd who had really experienced, experienced real hunger and real thirst the kind of thirst you have in the desert before you die. And this is the type of hunger and thirst he is referring to. The kind of hunger and thirst where you need sustenance to live, where you don't know if you'll make it to tomorrow. Do we have that desire for God? Are we desperately craving the Lord knowing that we will die without him? Because that is our actual state. Whether we realize it or not, we will experience eternal death without the Lord. This hunger the Lord mentions is to be famished, starving, a thirst that is so bad it is painful to us. We hurt because we need God. This is the righteousness that the Lord mentions as well. It is a correct relationship with God knowing how badly we need him, that we need him to live, to survive. If we look at David and what he wrote in the Psalms, we can see he makes a very similar comparison. This is Psalm 63, verse 1. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land 
where there is no water. Now, David was a man after God's heart. Remember that. He hungered and he thirsted for God. And he tells us something here. We need to realize that in a spiritual sense, this world is a dry and thirsty land. That's why we shake our heads at the things we see in the news, why we pray for people who are obviously lost in today's society. So are we seeking God daily? Are we folk or or are we focusing on other things? Do we not have time to read our Bible? Are we too distracted with TV and movies? Are we watching sports, baseball, or football and can't find the time to pray? Just as losing our physical appetite is a sign of something wrong in our bodies, if we lose our spiritual appetite, then that means that we have a problem in our spirit. So what is our focus? Are we excited for secular events, but feel reluctant to come to church? Or are we, as David says in Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? We need to realize that just as our physical body needs food and water, our spirit needs God to survive. Without God, our life is desolate and dry. And that's, that's what we see so many lost people craving. They're missing God and filling their lives with other empty things. But they're never happy because only God can really fill us spiritually. We must have a real relationship with God, not just a logical, mental assent and agreement with God, but we must have a true emotional and connection, connection to our Lord and Savior. Not that we want our emotions to rule over us, but that we love who He is. He's our Savior, He's the perfect one, and we appreciate what He did for us. And it drives and increases our love through that appreciation. If we look at John chapter 6, verse 35, and that's John chapter 6, verse 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus said this to some people who followed him to get more bread from him. They sought the Lord to get more bread because he had just fed thousands of people, right? So they were looking for earthly bread. So we have to ask ourselves, what do we really need in this life? Are we chasing Jesus? And why are we chasing Jesus? What do we want from him? Our motives matter. Seeking the Lord is life changing. It should change our hearts. Our goal should be to fill our heart and our soul with God. To do that, we need to spend time with him. Are we spending time in God's word? Are we praying? Are we thanking him and praising him and singing his praises? We don't need to be here at the building for that. We can do that all the time in our daily lives. 
Are we examining exam are we examining ourselves and comparing ourselves to Jesus, his example? Now I know that that's kind of unfair. It's humbling because he's perfect and we're not. But that's part of the idea that we stay humble and we pursue that perfection anyway. Knowing that we are all in this race, we're all in this life together. Now, our relationship with God must come from our hearts. If we look at some more verses in Matthew chapter 5, if we look at chapter 5, verses 21 and 22, the Lord is speaking. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. Excuse me. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. If we look a few verses down, Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The Lord said some more things like that following these. But when we think about that, what was his aim? What was he getting at? And he was getting at the difference between following the law and following God's heart. He is directing, directing us away from the letter of the law and is telling us that what is in our heart matters. At the same time, we know that our human heart and our human mind are not to be trusted, right? But in the examples Jesus gives us, that's where he's saying we need to change, really. That's where he's saying we must, that must come from, is our heart is what matters. So what do we do? Well, if we look at Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16, and I realize this may be too small to read, so apologize for that, but Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16, it starts off, how can a young man cleanse his way? But if we think about this, if we look at what the instructions we're going to read, you can just say, how can I cleanse my way? How can I how can I do this? So by taking heed according to your word, with my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So in the first, in the first verse, we're asking the question, you know, how can we cleanse our way? And then it, the rest of the verses there are answering us. We need to seek the Lord with our whole heart. 
We need to hide God's word in our hearts, fill in our heart with God's word, pray for his wisdom, rejoice when we learn his ways, just as we would rejoice over any money or any other riches we might get in this world because God's teachings improve our lives more than any money or things that we get in this world. We want to remember that our righteousness must be greater than those who were just keeping the law. It can't be had by just checking the boxes like the Pharisees were doing. Jesus made that clear again in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, this righteousness is our relationship with God, our right standing with God. It must be a relationship that is based on the love of God. When we love someone, we want to spend more time with them. We want to know them more and more. If we look at our beatitude again, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, it also has a promise with it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. If we hunger and thirst, if we seek the Lord, we will be filled. The meaning of this word here is to be satisfied with more than enough, to be filled with an abundance. If we empty ourselves and allow the Lord to fill us, we will be satisfied. Think of it as after a Thanksgiving meal, we're sitting back and we're all stuffed. You know, that's being filled to abundance, right? That's how God will fill us spiritually. And we'll need some time to digest it. We're just human. But we'll want it again. We'll hunger and thirst for more, and we'll come back to God, our Father, and He has plenty to give. And He will keep filling us, helping us to grow more like Him. Then if you notice what Paul prays for in Ephesians chapter 3, this is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, and this is actually a prayer that he's writing. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church of Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So I was really wanting to focus on to know the love of Christ and to be filled with the fullness of God. These are attainable. We do not pray for things that we should not have. And these are not just vain words. These are inspired by God himself. 
And don't forget that he can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. He can help us to be better than we think we can be. So now we have to ask ourselves again, are we hungering for God? Are we thirsting for that relationship with him? Are we too distracted with the things of the world? Are we chasing godly things in our lives? We must empty ourselves so that God can fill us. We can never be too full of the Lord and his love. So are we craving God? He will give us an eternal supply. And remember what Jesus told the woman at the well, speaking of eternal supplies, if we look at John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, that's John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Are we thirsting for God? Do we crave that relationship with him? Again, that's what David did. If we look back at uh, our Psalm 63, if we look through down through verse 5, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. So our souls will be satisfied with a deep and personal and emotional connection with the Almighty. And that's what we should have. That's what we should want. You know, God has shown his love for us through Jesus. He's made clear his intentions, and it's all up to us and how we respond. So are you full? Are you satisfied? Or are you empty and hungry and thirsty for the one that can fill you? If you've not answered the call to come to God, we'd ask that you please do that now. He loves and cares about you. If you're struggling or if you have any issues or need prayer, please come forward as well. The Lord cares about us and our weaknesses. Just because we're Christians, it doesn't mean we don't have problems. And if you need to start a new relationship or build a better bond with God, please don't wait. Let him know he has, he has made the first move. He has reached out to us in so many different ways. So we're going to sing number 342. Please come forward if you have any need. <laughs>